Hello and welcome along to the World Game Live. It's fantastic to have your company this Wednesday, the 10th of February, as it is my wonderful co-host coming to us all the way from his home in Sydney, Nick Stoll, aka Stollich. How are you, son? You well? I'm very good. I'm very excited for today's show. We've got a huge show. We've got Mitchell Duke coming up. We've got Jaden Casella coming up. We've got Katrina Gorey coming up, talking A-League, W-League, Premier League, Aussies abroad. Great, great show, and I'm looking forward to everyone's comments. It is so jam-packed. It's jam-packed every week, you know, and, of course, we always go through that stressful period of wondering who are we going to get on the show next week, what are we going to talk about, but something always happens, whether mm. it be in Australian football internationally with our Aussies abroad who are doing well, by the way. We're looking forward to dissecting all of that later on. Katrina Gorey, of course, has some very exciting news. Jaden Casella really lighting the world alight at the moment, or the A-League, should I say. It's too soon for the world at this point, but the young star who's come from the NPL is doing fantastic things scoring his first A-League goal so it's very exciting to be able to catch up with him and the Duke of Parramatta Mitchell Duke is back we're so excited to be catching up with him I'm sure he absolutely hates that nickname as well but it's the Western fans <laughs> that have given it to him and rightfully so because they're so delighted to be welcoming back someone of Mitchell Duke's stature of course we wish that his stint abroad had worked out well but in this instance we're happy to have someone of his caliber back in the A-League as well who I'm sure will be very eager to be playing some football and getting back to doing what he does best he's also welcome Welcomed a baby girl into the world not too long ago. So we'll be looking forward to hearing about all of that and so much more when we welcome him to the show shortly. Arvo Legends, how's life? Oh, hoping life's treating you well, question mark. Todd Blackwell, one of the best supporters in the A-League and best supporters of any football club. The Newcastle Jets, of course, going around. Todd, great to see you, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Michael Long, I can also see you've joined the stream. Santino Mamone, welcome to you guys. Nadia D. Tanay, so great to be catching up with everybody. Milenko Rogic, good afternoon, guys. He says, my cousin all the way in Canberra. Good afternoon to you, Mickey. Great to have your company, mate. Always good to see that family is supporting the stream here. So welcome along to everybody. Get your questions and your comments in because, as we've said, we've got a jam-packed show coming up. So much to get through. And shortly, as we said, we'll be catching up with Mitchell Duke. But first of all, let's get into the A-League stories. We've got to give a bit of a wrap-up about what's been happening in the last few rounds because we've seen plenty of football going on. And there's also plenty of news. It looks as though Craig Goodwin is set to reunite with Adelaide United. That, um, that deal shortly to be announced. We're expecting that to come out soon. Robbie Cornthwaite is confirmed as much. And by the way, big shout out to Robbie Cornthwaite. I have to say, he's been an absolute star on Fox Sports coverage. Been such a delight to watch. He's the perfect example of a former player that's doing great things on the sidelines and has so much to add. Also from a broadcast perspective as well, because it's easy to say that, oh, I want to get into the media and everything else, but it's an actual skill too. And I think it's a great skill that he's been able to acquire in this time. So well done, Robbie Cornthwaite. Jets have also confirmed that news has just come out today that Craig Deans has been confirmed as their head coach. Deans, he's been around for a long, long time with Newcastle Jets, so it's great to see him rewarded in that capacity. We understand too, Stolich, that there were a number of contenders in the running as well. I saw that Kenny Lowe was listed as a potential candidate. I know that John Aloisi's name was also being thrown about as well, and also young Socceroos coach and former Newcastle Jets coach Gary Van Egmond too was in the running. But Mork versus Kilkenny seemed to absolutely dominate the headlines and really set social media on fire. And I can't wait to get stuck into this one in uh, uh, in just a moment. But MacArthur also defeated Brisbane Raw. We're asking the question, what caught your eye? And I think it goes without saying that it was the Mork versus Kilkenny saga. First of all, I want to hear your take on it, Stolich, and everybody else who witnessed it. Um, but before we do that, actually, for those that may have missed the exchange, let's um, let's remind everybody of what happened. 
Stefan, you and uh, Killer used to be uh, teammates, no longer friends there? Nah, I guess there's a reason why they didn't play him at City, so enough said, I think. Stefan Mork had some comments for you at halftime where I asked him if you and him were friends and he basically said no. I guess there's a reason why Neil didn't play at Melbourne City. What have you got to say in response to that? Uh, response, listen, I said it on the pitch. I was in Melbourne City for a year and a half. I got player of the year in the first year. So I think that's a bit, you know, unprofessional of him. But maybe, you know, he should write that in his diary. <laughs> you know, I've got to write it. So for those that don't also know, Stefan Mork has this um, journal business on the side in which he's also encouraging athletes to, you know, document their experiences, you know, how they're playing, etc. effectively like a journal but for professional sports people. So that's what Killer's having a little dig at there uh, about. But uh, what was your take, Stolich, before I weigh in on it and we start to, to find out what everyone else thought? So I liked it. I like a bit of a bit of niggle. I like a bit of theatre. You know, I don't think it has a huge effect on the game. I don't think it's costing anyone points or anything like that. I think it's good that players show personality. These interviews, halftime interviews, in my opinion, are some of the biggest waste of times that we ever see. You know, they just happen. They're incredibly no, I boring. Think it's a load of crap. I don't think yeah. that no player coming off a football field should ever be interviewed. They don't do it in England. They don't do it anywhere no. else around the world. Why do we insist on yeah. bailing up players to give us one-line answers about about, yeah, gee, we've got to work harder on the park or exactly. we've got to maintain that lead. No one cares. No, well, it's just it, they just say the same stuff. And, it's, I mean, they're tired. They've just come off. They, you know, they've got to talk to their teammates, their coach and all that kind of stuff. They're not going to give you a, a perfect tactical breakdown of what went wrong or what's going right. But I thought that was quite funny what uh, Stephen Mork said. You know, just throwing it in there. And then uh, Kilkenny, you know, fair play to him. You know, he won the night and he got to uh, make his speech. And, you know, it was, it was funny as well. So I think fair play to both of them. I like that they showed personality. My kind of point was I don't want people to criticize them too heavily because then players will start to go, okay, we can't show that personality. Or media managers or whoever at the club will say, don't, don't be saying controversial stuff like that. No, it's good to bring a bit of controversy. It's good to bring a bit of animosity. And a, and a bit of theatre, a bit of drama, a bit of conflict, you know, you know, to a certain level, obviously, but everyone's has to be quite respectful of each other. But I liked it and I thought it was good. And I thought there were uh, comments by other players that were even worse. We might get onto that in a minute. Mm, we'll address that in just a moment. I'll give you my take of it all. Um, I actually agree. I think it was pretty unprofessional of Morky to make that comment. I know that a lot of people weighed in on it. My issue is not with the players having personality. In fact, I think we're all in agreement that we'd love to see them coming out more, especially in the heat of the moment when you're fired up, you're coming off the pitch and you've got something to say. Um, but I think it was unprofessional, particularly because this is your club captain making those comments, right? And I can't imagine that you'd see that type of behaviour anywhere else. Um, and, of course, like I said, I know it was in the heat of the moment, but I, I, the problem that I had with it was it was completely inaccurate, right? So if you're going to make a comment like that about a player that's played in the Premier League, in the Championship, in the League One, and represented multiple countries actually at international level, you better be prepared to cop some stick back, which is, well, yeah, he did in the year, the first year and a half that he was at the club. Killer did win player of the year. And not only that, Warren Joyce was actually the reason why he wasn't being played at City. And we all know what happened to Warren Joyce. And Warren Joyce had issues with multiple players, a la Bruno Fornaroli. I know he probably had issues with Tim Cahill and a number of other players at that club. So anyone with authority that actually had a bit of balls at Melbourne City and stood up to, to Warren Joyce, 
Joyce were ones that had problems with him. So there's no truth in the fact that, well, that's obviously why I wasn't playing at City. Now, he wasn't playing at City because of an ordinary manager. So what Morky said was actually inaccurate. And I think that potentially down the line, I'd be very surprised if he'd go on to kind of make those types of comments again, particularly, as I said, because he's the club captain. But in this instance, I think it's 1-0 to killer. So I'll be looking forward to seeing how that plays out in the next game. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you say. I just think like I, I I'll be honest. I just like the drama. You know, I've seen for years Gerard Piquet say all kinds of things about Real Madrid and Real Madrid players every time there's a microphone in front of him. You know, saying yeah. that yeah. it's his favorite no stadium to celebrate. No one's saying you can't say it, but whatever you say, just be prepared for some blowback. And I think yeah. a lot of people were happy to give some blowback in this instance because. With all due respect, Morky, son, I think you were wrong. But somebody else that had quite a lot to say was our mate Bessar Barisha in his post-match interview. Um, he wasn't quite happy, Stolich, but let's find out why. You know, <laughs> until 65 minutes, I thought we, uh, we did really well. Uh, but I thought until 65, we were good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he... So this is his post-match interview, right? He's talking about how I thought until six, until the 65th minute, you know, we were actually performing really well in the game, obviously disappointed yeah. with the result. But can you tell us actually what happened in the 65th minute? Let's have a look at what happened in the 65th minute. And Dylan Farias as well, the scorer. With two goals earlier this season. Barisha doesn't bother exchanging handshakes with the men coming on. He's straight. <laughs> what happened in the 65th minute that changed that we were good until something happened in the 65th minute i came off and then the team was no longer good without me on the pitch that was what he was saying he said it twice look you know what i love Bess. i love his yeah. passion i love his his commitment but again you know what you're doing you're slapping your manager and your teammates in the face with that comment, right? And that's pretty brutal. And I know that he's been in trouble with Rudes before. And look, knowing the type of guy that Rudes is in terms of the standards he sets, I don't think he'd be rating that type of comment. And he's been in trouble with um, Bessar Barisha before, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, remember, it was I think it was against the Mariners as well, where he, he held the subs board up and they said, you know, Bess, you're coming off. And he gave him the big... <laughs> Look at so I mean yeah, we know uh, Barisha we know his character is very competitive and that's one of one of the reasons that he's so great. But in my opinion, I was surprised that you know Mork and Kilkenny got more heat for their comments than Barisha got for his, which in my opinion is worse because at least Mork and Barisha they're kind of antagonising each other's teams. They're not you know crapping on their own teammates, which in a way I think you are if you say we are good until I come off and then we are no good. That that's gonna be a bit of an issue. So you know, yeah, Jake Inwood saying Barisha saying something Zlatan might say, and there's another one. Zlatan is always very outspoken, says controversial things, and we we love it. So I like players being outspoken. But in my opinion, it's just interesting that some comments get picked up and some comments get ignored. Yeah, but guess what? You know why Zlatan can get away with saying the shit that Zlatan says? Because he's Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for goodness mm. sakes. The guy's still play He's probably going to end up like King Kazu and still be playing at 50 years of age. Like, that's the... But when you, when you are a quality player like that, you can talk all the trash you want because you've got the goods to back it up. But here, I think, modestly speaking, if you're going to make some bold statements, just be prepared for Soccer Twitter yeah. and the rest of the community to pile some crap on you. I know. And one last point before we welcome our next special guest, please. Well, I was just going to say that and also the fact that, you know, you see when Zlatan did it to Lukaku and it kind of went wrong and then Zlatan got sent off and then AC Milan lost. He cops it. He cops it. So that's, that's what happens. And we're also you, talking you, about alleged racism too in that respect. Yes, so yes definitely. But this this is the thing is sometimes, you know, if you're going to play that character, you just kind of got to understand, you know, I think the fans as well. Everyone's got to understand the, that it comes with consequences.
It certainly does. But um, look, speaking of the opposite when it comes to consequences, we're delighted that um, we're able to welcome our next special guest here to the show. He was an absolute star for Western Sydney. And in his time here in the A-League, of course, he's been abroad. And he did go abroad overseas to sign uh, in the Middle East with Al Torn. And it didn't work out the way that he wanted to. But I'll tell you what, we're so glad that it worked out. We're able to welcome him back to the A-League now. Let's welcome our next special guest, Mitchell Duke. The Duke of Parramatta is back, baby. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> Can you tell us, do you hate that saying? Yeah, I don't miss that title at all since I left, to be honest. It's just, obviously, it's a play on my name, I get it, but, you know, and some of the uh, photo memes and all that that I get sent to me with a crown and stick and all that in my hand, like, it's all part and parcel of the game. It's quite fun, so I'll get to just roll with it. It is fun, but you know what? It's a testament to how much they worship you here in Western Sydney because you've been such a celebrated player for this club. You had such an amazing season with them last season, 14 goals in 26 games. You were an absolute star for them. Then this offer came in for you to join Al Tawun in Saudi Arabia. You can't knock back that kind of money, right, because it's absolutely life-changing. It's important for you guys, particularly footballers, to think about your livelihood after football. You've also got a young family now. Congratulations, your wife, also welcoming a baby girl to the world. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. But tell us, Juki, what went wrong? For those that don't know about your story and, and, and what went down, can you give us some insight? Yeah, look, there's a lot There's a lot to be involved with, obviously, the situation and how it played out. Also, thank you for the new baby that I've obviously got now with the, my beautiful daughter, but I'll see her who knows when, hopefully in June sometime. But, um, yeah, look, a lot of things played out with the move. And like you said, uh, a lot of players make moves like this for the financial reasons. It's, it sets you up. If you're going to compare the money that you earn there compared to what you get in the A-League, you know, <laughs> you'd have to be 10, 8 years in the A-League to earn what you can get there in two years, you know. So it's a, it's a, it's a crazy statistic that you can compare with numbers and stuff. But, um, yeah, you got to take that chance. And uh, I did that for my family and, uh, and for the future. But, yeah, as soon as I arrived there... <laughs> Almost after a week, it was already chaos. Uh, the coach had been sacked because they were still playing their previous season and they had lost seven in a row and they were close to getting relegated. So the coach got sacked. That brought me over for the next season. Then the president also changed over after, a couple of weeks later after that. So then obviously, you know, you got new people with new ideas and, uh, you know, new strategies of what they want going into the next season. And, you know, that kind of played against me because... Up until the, the first round, I was obviously going to be the striker. I played quite well in the Asian Champions League with, with Tarwin. Um, but, yeah, after the, the next season was ready to start, we, we had another foreign striker come in who was obviously previously at the club and had a great reputation. He had a good season a couple of years ago as the top goal scorer and things like that, and they gave him the captain's armband. So he kind of took that sole striker role. Mm. So... And the versatility, I guess, played against me in that role as well. So I was pushed out wide. Um, and in the first 12 games of the season, I was I was a winger. I played 10 two times and they were probably a couple of my best performances while I was in the, in the centre of the pitch where I want to be. Um, but yeah, everything kind of added into to the downfall, I guess, of how it played out. Uh, I started to get frustrated. I wasn't enjoying life outside of football already. COVID played a massive part in that as well because already – you're by yourself, but then you also feel a sense of entrapment because you don't know when you're going to have a visitor. Uh, you can't just go and book a flight for your family to come and visit or you can't just book to get out and go and visit yourself because of the, all the travel restrictions and things like that. So, yeah, look, it was mentally the toughest situation I've ever been in. Um, and then again, when you're not happy within the football side of things, which is why I'm there, 
you know, you just, you just turn into a big ball of negativity. And uh, I, I kind of reached breaking point when it reached round 12, um, where I hadn't give, been given my chance as a striker. So I kind of approached the club and said, this was early January. I kind of said, okay, if you guys don't give me my opportunity as a striker, I was brought here as a striker. I had a great season last season as a striker. Um, that's where I want to play. You need to give me that chance. I don't want to play winger anymore. And I kind of just, you know, I'm old enough to know what yeah. I can bring to the team. And, uh, you know, I'm not just one of those young players where, to be fair, I played winger a lot in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've got a different mentality to what I am now. I'm an older, more experienced player. And I've, I guess I've got a bit more to stand up for myself. I was more just happy playing week in, week out. Where now I want to play my position because I know it's going to benefit me the best, benefit the team the best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I, I kind of gave him the ultimatum. I said, if you don't give me a chance as a striker, either like put me out on the bench and I'll wait for my opportunity to take my opportunity. Because also my team at that time in at round 12, our centre back was the top goal scorer. <laughs> so, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and how, how are you not rotating a striker? By round twelve, if they're not scoring goals, and f- yeah. that's that's part and parcel. It's a brutal, it's a brutal position to play because if you're not scoring, you know, you're here in the Premier League, uh, strikers don't score for two games. That's a drought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. It's true. It's it's crazy. And uh, for me, I was like, you don't score for two, three games, you should be pushed to the bench, give someone else a go, and that's just and you got to take those opportunities. It's how football should be, kind of thing. And I was I was getting frustrated because no matter what was happening. I wasn't given a chance. So when I approached the club with genuine intentions of actually just saying, look, I'm still committed to the club. I want to just play this position. Give me a chance. And then they kind of took it as me, obviously, not being happy. And they're like, well, if you're not happy, leave. And then it was a three-week battle of, I was like, no, that's not the point. I want to stay here and just be given my chance. And then anyways, it was a three-week battle. And I said, all right, no worries. I'll look at other possibilities. And that's where it escalated by the end of, January, I got a, a loan move. Um, unfortunately, it played out a three-week battle of them just wanting me to cancel my contract or with the loan move, they only wanted to cover a certain amount because obviously how loans work, you don't really miss out on too much money because they cover a certain percentage of your salary and yeah. you know the other club pays the rest. So for me, that was the ideal situation because they're the ones that are making that decision, not me, uh, mm-hmm. to kind of change the scenario so for me i was kind of like well if i'm going to go somewhere on loan you guys have to cover your end um the reason why i've come here is for the financial side of things and to play my position and you guys are making this decision to not play me my position and now telling me to to go somewhere else because you're not going to give me that chance so you have to you know follow your side so yeah it was frustrating because i had quite a lot of other opportunities in uh, in Europe and other parts of Asia where I could have gone on loan who were actually willing to cover more more money as well. But they were so adamant on me cancelling my contract. Um, um, they even rejected Wanderers initially, like at the beginning of January, and they rejected a, a club in Turkey and other clubs as well that they just weren't happy with. So it took to the last day in January because they wanted to bring in another foreigner that made this mm-hmm. deal go the line, thankfully, because otherwise it, I could have just been stuck there and just been battling. Yeah. So was there a thought in your mind where you were open to potentially cancelling your contract just so you could be free of all the drama? Because I don't know about you, Juki, from the outside looking in, do you really want to go back to this club at the end of this loan spell? Yeah, definitely. Look, to be fair, I kind of wanted, I kind of given them the ultimatum to use this as my platform to, to prove them, prove to them that I'm a striker. So, you know, 
things can things can always change as well. You know, as, by the end of this season, the whole the whole dynamic of that club could change. The coach could change again. The present, like they're quite ruthless over there with that. So if if that happens, you know, next season could still be a possibility at that club. And you know, there's more people involved with the with the contract and things like that financially. So you know, I've got to just assess my situations and just come back for the short term, be happy again, enjoy my football, do do well again, start scoring goals. And then I'm just going to have to assess how the situation plays out in uh, in June, July. Um, you know, because, yeah, I think ideally it would be nice for me to come back, do really well again and open up my options. Um, because, yeah, the I guess the relationship between me and my club now are probably not on the best, best of terms. I mean, finally... When the paperwork <laughs> had been sorted, it was it was okay. We shook hands, and you know, I, I told him, "I was like, you watch out. I want to I want to prove you guys wrong." So, yeah, watch. I guess you got to just watch this space, and uh, I guess I'll make the decision come June, July. Mm, you're also going to give your coach. Uh, you're also going to give your coach Carl Robinson a few headaches as well when it comes to selection issues. Um, we've got a couple of questions coming in already asking about how Bernie Abini feels about your move to the club. But it's a good headache to have as a coach. And I think you'd already come out and been quoted when you spoke to Marco Monteverde uh, and said, you know what, to have some competition for places is good. And it is going to really kind of, you know, set the benchmark of the Wanderers now to, to really set them alight this season. Because as you also pointed out in that article with Marco, scoring goals has been the, the one thing that's sort of lacking for them at the moment um but i'll throw over to stolich to ask some questions of you before we continue yeah. yeah well actually we've got a question on facebook or a comment kind of from jake inwood i believe he's a wanderers fan saudi arabia do things differently juki you deserve better what i wanted to know uh juki is that kind of off the pitch life in saudi arabia we see craig goodwin kind of coming back it's i know a lot of players go there for the financial kind of return i understand that but what is life like for a footballer in saudi arabia because it's not a place that many kind of australians go and, and live and I, i'll be honest i don't know much about it. It, it it seems kind of maybe like a hard place to live off the field yeah it's a massive massive culture shock to be honest um i was very very shocked about my situation because foreigners and expats and things like that all live in what you'd call a compound. So just a facility that you kind of all just gather in the one community where inside you, you kind of have your own kind of rule and, and system and laws kind of thing at, compared to the outside because it's a very religious country, obviously, with with their rules. Um, so, you know, you live in a compound. And to be honest, this, uh, this depends on the city. Uh, can depend a lot on obviously the compound and the lifestyle you get to live. For me, I was in a very... Um, isolated city i'd say very strict city still quite core religious beliefs where start the other parts of saudi arabia are starting to loosen up and relax a little bit uh like the main cities like riyadh jeddah and uh, damam these these three cities are quite open now um with the religious things and, and getting more relaxed with the rules their compounds are unbelievable like i've gone down to riyadh and visited brad jones and the compound he's in compared to, <laughs> compared to where i am it's like he's in Paradise Seven Star Resort, and I mean, uh, I don't want to be too disrespectful, but it was—it's like I'm turning up to a very old, rundown building, barbed wire on the walls, and yeah, and like turning wow. up, to, yeah, yeah, it's 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 rough. It's obviously for the protection as well, um, but yeah, it's chalk and cheese compared to where he's living and where I was living, and uh, that also played a part in my mental struggles, I guess, uh, with ha happiness and outside of football. You know, I'm going back to an apartment that's probably 
still set back in the 1970s, 1980s, furniture, very old, run-down apartments and, and things like that. So, And then to see as well where some of the other Aussies were staying. Mm. Yeah. A bit tough, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I wish I was there. Um, being yeah. away, and being away from your family too, Juki, that must be so hard. I think people genuinely underestimate the mental side of things for footballers and how important it is for you guys to be happy off the pitch because people have this misconception. They say things like, oh, well, you're being paid all this money and you get to play football for a living. Like how wonderful is that? But they don't understand that there's so much that goes on off the field that you need in order to feel like you can be the best footballer you can be as well, right? Yeah, well, I feel like in football, the mental side of things is bigger than what your actual physical capabilities are. Um, you know, so you need to be you need to be at least happier, motivated, and focused on on your job at hand. Otherwise, you, if you, if you start to go away from that, your performances aren't going to be up to scratch on the pitch, and that definitely played a part massively. I think obviously COVID makes a massive difference. Like by the time I see my family, it will be ten plus months by the time I see them. My my four year old is going to be a different kid. Like I'm going to see my baby at five plus months old. It's so different, it changed so much, you know. So all those all those thoughts creep into your head. You start to just go into a bit of a dark place of just mm. negativity. And like I said, I started to also, you know, I was still playing winger, so I was still playing games and things like that. So there was still no excuses for me. Um, I guess to still not be completely unhappy, but. Yeah, you, I guess you just go so negative and you get away from the football side of things. Uh, it just all builds up and it, it gets too much, I guess, uh, in, in some aspects and affected my performances in some games. And, yeah, it was it was probably the hardest part. And, yeah, I feel like a lot of people definitely don't understand the ins and outs. It's like I said, 10-plus months until I see my family next mm-hmm. because of like, football and obviously COVID restrictions, of course, as well. But it's like I've just been deployed out to the army, you know, going for a 10-month yeah. yeah. you know, stint overseas. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, look, it's tough. Um, I feel like I didn't, I wasn't prepared for COVID to still be continuing on. So I thought I was going to be able to see my baby when she was born because the club was going to let me go. But then the quarantine rules were always changing. So if I left, I would have had to do two week quarantine mm-hmm. and then you just, it's, it was too much of a setback. So it was just frustrating for sure. Juggles Football Culture, good afternoon to you. Great to have your company, guys. We love you here on the show. Duke will change the game for Western Sydney Wanderers Hungary. As I said at the top of the show, you were a star for them last season. You must be buzzing to get back and playing and, and doing what you love in that position as well. But what were your conversations with Carl Robertson like um, when it came to signing you and what's his vision for you for this season? Yeah, I feel like I've had a couple of conversations now with Carl and they've been great. Uh, his mentality and his attitude, I feel like, suits, suits me perfectly and exactly what I believe in and what you need to get out of the team and, and how you should play. So I'm looking forward to working with him and uh, I feel like he can maybe take my game to even, again, another level because he already kind of broke down already on the phone of what some of my flaws were in the game. So he was already, he's already very aware of what I can do. and He's already, he's already, he's already hammering you. Yeah. <laughs> He's already told me, he's like, you know, there was when we came against you, because obviously he was coach at Newcastle Jets yeah. on the back end of last season. And he said, you know, some of the things he was going to do to make me get out off my game when we played them. And he mm-hmm. kind of said, he's like, I'm going to take that away from your game and make sure that you're always in the right positions doing this and saving your energy for attack. Because he felt like I was also doing a, a bit too much work at times. So, I mean, that's that was awesome to hear that he's already aware. He's already broken down of how he's going to work with me and get the best out of me. So that's that was really exciting for me. And yeah, for the team that the team already at hand, I'm looking forward to just joining up. I feel like they've got an unbelievable team sheet, a lot of depth in the squad, a lot of uh, a good mix between experience and youth. So 
yeah, I'm happy to just come in and play my part and really feel like, yeah, if the boys can start to put in uh, two halves of football because in the in, at the moment, the last couple of games, they put in obviously one good half and one maybe not so great half. But I feel like they put that two, week, uh, two halves together. I think it's going to be a, a team to beat and we can take it all the way. And I feel like I want to come back and win some trophies. Mm, they'd love to claim their first toilet seat, as we've said. People saying that Duke will be the first to make sure that they win that. Stolich, over to you. A couple more questions before we say goodbye to Dukey and leave him to his shoebox. You poor bastard. <laughs> stuck in that hotel room. Brutal, brutal. Dukey, <laughs> um, I just want to, before I ask you these couple of questions, I just want to give you the option that we're going to give to all guests that we have on the show now. Me and Lucy kind of came up with this. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, Jose Mourinho in a post-match press conference he gave an answer where he didn't want to get fined, basically. He said, I prefer not to speak. I get in trouble if I speak. So this is the clip, just in case you didn't see it. I prefer really not to, um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. So you can, if at any point you, want to, you don't want to answer a question, because we know, we know it can be tough to answer questions fully, honestly, you can just say to us, roll the clip, or Jose Mourinho, and we'll roll the clip in place. So this is the question. Bacchus's back heel assist. Was that a fluke or did he actually deliberately mean to do that and he can do that? Uh, look, I feel like those things are one of those things where, you know, you adjust your body when it, when it gets thrown at you and hope it plays out. I mean, to say that you, you meant it and you could do that 10 times out of 10 or even five times out of 10, a bit rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I did a similar one back in Japan and I was literally not looking at the ball and I kind of just flicked at it, hit the ball. People were losing their minds and like, I did not claim to be intentional at yeah. all because I was like, you hit it, hope for the best. Um, and and I, I saw his interview and he was like, oh, I was trying to score with it and things like that. <laughs> fair, fair play to him. I kinda, but like I said, you try things and if it plays out, it plays out yeah. and it works. Oh, totally, okay, another totally. question from me then. Um, what did you think of the Morky Kilkenny saga? Oh, I can't, like, I'm, I'm kind of uh, on the fence. I feel like it, it's great. I think I love the banter and I feel like it's not going to affect anyone. No one's losing sleep over it. And uh, I, I love the Cool Kenny's response. Uh, yeah. Just good, good a bit, uh, bit of banter and things like that. I kind of like it. Uh, and like you said, it shows personality. We're not all robots, um, you know. And I feel like it, it brings a bit to the game. You want that. And if not, everyone's going to be mates in football. Um, if you play together or, or not, uh, it's just part and parcel of the game. And you know, when you when you go separate ways, and if you've got a bit of beef or you want to say something, I'm all for it. Yeah, good on you, Juki. One more for him. Let's see if we can push him to his limits and get him to invoke the Jos Mourinho rule. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to know, what are the differences between uh, Marcus Babel and what you know so far of uh, Robinson? Play the clip. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer really not to, um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in trouble. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love Perfect. it. Perfect. Oh, can I just tell you how much we've loved having you on this show? You're fantastic talent. You've had us captivated the whole time. We've had so much engagement to the point where we can't even get to it all. But I've got to ask you this one last one before we say goodbye from our good friends over at A-League Memes. Hi, Duke. Can you still do a split? <laughs> I've been doing yoga in the shoebox at the moment, so I'm, I'm not sure I'm nice and flexible already. I've kind of... I've had a lot of fans message me, are you still going to do it? I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm kind of overdoing it as well. Like, no, no stick to it, you reckon? I, imagine I'm imagine hard. you pull a hamstring doing it though. Oh, no, I mean, mean, it wouldn't be funny. It would be so funny though. Do you remember, we know one time, <laughs> Thierry Henry. I'm made of elastic, it's not happening. Okay, good. But oh, I remember God. about 
20 years ago, Terry Henry, he ran to the corner flag when he scored and he was pissed off or something. And he, he no, he slid on his knees to the corner flag and he whacked it. And it, it was like one of these elastic ones and it bounced back up, hit him in the nose, Ooh, like nose. broke his nose and he had to be subbed off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, always, there's always a risk. You've seen some, obviously, bloopers where some people have uh, celebrated and done serious injuries. So yeah. you obviously got to be careful. But for me, I feel like it's, it won't be any stress on my body if I was to continue doing it. But like I said, I've, I've been on the fence with bringing it back. Um, I might have bring to do a poll. Might have to bring a poll on my Instagram, see what the fans want. <laughs> uh, bring it back for old time's sake. We've got to see it. We love it. And everyone in Western Sydney will be losing their minds if they see it again. Juki, you are unreal, mate. Just tell us one last thing. How long, long have you got left in quarantine before you can get out of there? Yeah, I get down to Sydney on the 19th of Feb, okay. so... Um, I was hoping I'd be a part of the, the 21st game, maybe come off the bench, but I think a day and a half out of quarantine, I might be pushing it. So yeah, I'll be hoping the, the 27th again. Yeah, <laughs> pull back a little bit. A bit. Yeah, we want to I'm, I'm just buzzing to get back, get buzzing to get back in with the boys. I'm looking yeah. forward to it and uh, joining. Like, I made some lifelong friends with the, with the team as well, with Dylan, Coxie. I'll be actually be living with Coxie when I, while I'm back. So that's going <laughs> nice. to be fun just to... Yeah. Two sad dads that aren't going to be able to sit there. <laughs> 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 We're pulling out the dad jokes. We can't wait to see you back on the field, mate. You've been such a pleasure. I meant every word. It's been so great to have you on the show. We're glad to have you back in the country. But as I said, we want to see you do well overseas. So whatever that next chapter looks like for you, we wish you all the very best. But let's get you back on the field first and foremost and back doing what you love, mate. Take care and thanks for stopping by for us here on the World Game Live. Awesome, guys. It's been a pleasure to chat to you all. Thanks, Juki. Thank Good you. on you, Juki. Great to have him. What a top guy, Stolish, before we welcome our next guest. Quick to say, um, just, you know, a real delight in Australian football, done fabulous things, whichever club he's been at, um, you know, and he's obviously had a successful career abroad, but coming back to us, not in the best of fashions, but you know what? He's still going to be playing football, and if he plays well enough, then he'll get his next opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, and he was the Wanderers' best player last season. He scored an incredible, I think, nearly 50% of their goals or something. They, yeah. they barely attacked or they barely created yeah. opportunities, and he was firing. So if they can create the opportunities that, you know, Robinson wants them to, then Duke's going to be scoring, you know, double figures, no problem. Mm, couldn't agree more. All right, let's welcome our next special guest. He's been waiting very patiently while we've been chatting to Mitchell Duke, and this is another rising star in the A-League, and we love to see them. Welcome to the show, Central Coast Mariners winger Jaden Casella. Great to see you, Jaden. Thank you so much hey, for making hey, the time to join us. We're doing so well. We have to say first and foremost, mate, congratulations on scoring your A-League goal, your first A-League goal. What a moment. And, um, and you know, and the way that you've done it as well, you've really worked hard in the NPL. You've worked hard enough to get your opportunity, and here you are. Just tell us what that moment was like and reflect on your journey as well to get to where you are now. Yeah, look, obviously it's been it's been a massive roller coaster, like going through everything that I've been through. And um, yeah, like obviously had a had a two-year stint over in Spain um with a few clubs there. Obviously, going from junior to I went to my senior football over there. Um, obviously not knowing the language or nothing, just basically threw myself in the deep end. Um, but yeah, going going through what I went through in Spain, obviously having to come back uh, due to COVID, um, and then battling my way through the MPL, had an interest from Central Coast. Obviously, was delighted to come up and and be on trial for for those. I think it was like seven weeks that I was on trial for, um, and then managed to get get secure my spot and have 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 a few games in the A League and even even score a goal so far. And look, like at the moment we're at the top of the table, so like I can't even I can't even explain it. Like it's it's been really really good. Like the boys have been working so hard, so it's just really nice to see something pay off for everyone, you know. So it's been it's been fantastic. 
It's been so great to watch players like yourself as well, young players really setting the competition alight because I think that was the biggest fear that coming through that COVID climate that we were going to see a reduction in quality. But I think we've actually seen an increase in quality and it's seeing players like yourself and the youngsters deployed right across the league that have really impressed a lot of us. But we've had a question coming through um, from Joshua Eben Watson. What is making the Mariners tick? Good afternoon to you, Joshua. Thanks so much for tuning in. Proving people, including myself, wrong because I think, Jaden, We've had these moments where we're thinking, oh, it's only a matter of time before the Wanderers start to fall off and go back to their old ways. The Mariners, not the Wanderers. Sorry, the Wanderers, the Mariners, sorry. <laughs> where we're, we're expecting the, the Mariners to go back to old ways, yeah, but yeah, we're not yeah. showing any signs of slowing down. You guys are just going from strength to strength and really giving it to your opposition. So what is making the Mariners tick, do you feel, this season? Yeah, Look, as soon as I as soon as I joined, like I said, um, in the preseason, it's been it's been like nonstop. Like the boys have been putting in so much effort, and we've been we've been running, we've been doing the hard yards. You know, we've been putting our heads down. We know that it's going to be it's going to take a lot to obviously change everyone's head to um, for them to know that we're we're in it to win it this season. But um, it's still very early stages. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like every every single day at training, like everybody's rocked up with the right attitude, the right state of mind. Like they're in there to, to do their bit, to know what their role is. And I feel like we've also all come together as well. Like we've had a few like team lunches and stuff like that. And, and everyone, it's not like where you see some teams where it can be in groups, like everyone's together. So I feel like it has a massive, a massive impact on, on how we've been doing. And just like the connections between some of the young boys like myself and Alo, um, going up to those older boys like Matty, Matty Simo and, um, and Oli Bazanic, like it, it just, mm. It's it's really good, you know, having that having that massive range there, and all of us just coming in and working hard, you know, and we've we've ended up managing to to pull back results, to go up, to come back from behind, like it's it's been fantastic. So yeah, I just we need and to keep unreal, going. Unreal to see. Um, over to you, Stolich. Some questions for Jaden. Yeah, Jaden, I wanted to know. You, you spoke about it just then a little bit, but kind of expand on it more. I think it's three games now. You've been losing at halftime yeah. and gone on to win, which is like an A League mm-hmm. record. Shows yeah. an incredible resilience. Um, but what what is happening at halftime? Is is I don't know. They're like you know, any given Sunday, Al Pacino doing the most amazing speech ever from Stadge, or is it a, <laughs> is it tactical adjustments, or or is it a belief within the team that guys keep fighting? The result is going to come. Uh, is it maybe all combined? Tell us about that kind of dynamic. Look, I think I think for what I can see, it's more the belief in the fact that we know what our quality is this season and uh, what we have in and around the squad. Like we've got a lot of depth. Like coming off from this, like I think we've got like eight or nine midfielders that can be sub subbed on and do the same job. You know, um, but I feel like when we go into halftime, especially when we're losing, we we know that we we do create a lot of chances in the first half, even when we're losing. Like those last few games, we've actually had had I think the better chances. Um, and we just wait patiently. We just keep keep playing the way we play. We don't we don't obviously start doing silly things and start sending all these players forward. Like we just play our game, and it's eventually come back to us. And we've scored we've scored like we scored goals from it. So at the end of the day, like it's working for us. We know that like we have our our tactics set for every every separate game. Like we normally play differently every single time into def- defending corners, attacking corners, attacking set pieces. Um, but I feel like so far we've done it very well, and credit to all the coaching staff and the players because we've all we all we all we've all been doing our job, and like I feel like it's just been great. Mm, comment coming through from Michael Longstage is a great coach. Can you give us some insight into what he's brought to the table this season, Jaden? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like st- Stadge has been really good, you know, um, setting up a lot of uh, a lot of video sessions as well before and after training and and coming in and knowing what what basically the week's going to be. So like in preseason, especially like we had like a few weeks where we worked on off the ball and pressing and and uh, tactically how we are without the ball. And then the next two weeks we work with the ball and how we attack and how we set up in, in defense. And I just think it's been fantastic, like everything he's done so far. Uh, that goes for Alan Stazic, Noel Arate, and and uh, look at our conditioning coach and and everybody else. Um, it's just been it's been fantastic. Like they've been they've worked really hard, and you know they've got all the information with them. And I feel like we've all taken it on board as well. So credit to us. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's been really good to be a part of it. To be honest. Uh, another comment uh, coming through, or question rather, from Stephen Gibson. Good afternoon to you, Stephen. He's a massive one. Uh, I keep going to say wanderers. What's wrong with me today? Because we've had Mitchell Duke on. Now my whole brain's fried for the rest of the show. Too um, many early mornings. Massive... <laughs> he's, it is actually the Premier League's killing me. He's a massive Mariners fan. Uh, Gibbo is. Is the team ready for this Sunday, Jaden? He wants to know. Yeah, look, I think I think we're more than ready for this Sunday. We're cu- we're coming off. Off a massive win. Um, obviously, last time us losing to to Wellington at home um, wasn't great, but I feel like we've we've learned from our mistakes and we're more than ready. Like we had a great training session this morning, and um, I think that with just like a few little tweaks uh, for the weekend, um, we we can do some bits. And I'm excited to have a lot of the Mariners fans hopefully down there in Wollongong supporting us. Um, so yeah, I think it should be a great game. Stolich, I reckon it's time to invoke the Mourinho rule for Jaden. Now, Jaden, okay. if you're not aware of the Mourinho rule, basically, and I'm sure you might have seen it when we ran it with Juki, we basically ask you a series of questions and you only get one opportunity to invoke the chance not to answer it, right? So right. we'll leave it up to you to decide which one that is. But, Stolich, I'm going to go to you first. And he is the one, by the way, Jaden, that made Juki crack. So be wary of this man. Okay. <laughs> is... Hello, Quoll, as funny as he seems to be in the media. <laughs> Look, yeah, I can definitely answer that. Like, yeah, yeah, he is for sure. Um, yeah, he just comes in with, a, I think, a different personality every day at training, you know? Like, he's always loud, <laughs> he's always boisterous, he's always, like, he's doing his own thing. He doesn't really care what people think. Um, but uh, he's, he's great. He's great. Um, he comes well, in, like I said, yeah. Do, do you know, has he got a boot contract yet? Because we know he gave an interview with uh, Vince Regari in the cinema on the where he said, you know, I just want, I just can't keep paying for boots, you know. <laughs> uh, look, look, I don't know what the exact state of that is, um, but I know that he's trying to work out something there to, to try and get his mm. boots for. And, I mean, he's been doing great, so I hope he hey, gets it, so. it. If Adidas, Nike, Puma are listening, let's get Alo signed up. Let's get Jaden signed up. You know, the young Mariners, they're the team to watch at the moment. They're, they're the fun team of the league. Exactly. Who's the, all right, I'm going to try my best here before we say goodbye. Who is the most annoying person in the dressing room? Oh, most annoying person. You, you can you can invoke it. You can invoke it. I'm actually going to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say hello. Like, look, he's, he's got a he's got a great great personality, but like sometimes it just goes overboard. You know, he doesn't know where to stop. But uh, no, no, no. I'm say hello. One, Love more, him, one more. We've got to try and make him crack before we say goodbye. Uh, okay. All right. Did you have better when you were when you were kind of coming through the system? Because you came through the system in Australia first and in Spain. Yeah. Where were the coaches better? In Australia or Spain? Oh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to use it. I'm gonna have to <laughs> not to not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. There you go. <laughs> 
He did it. He got him to crack. Oh, Jaden, you've been unreal. And can I tell you, on and off the football field, we've loved having you on the show today and love seeing you kill it in the A-League. Keep up the great work, mate. Like I said earlier, I think the greatest thing about this A-League season, and I know there have been so many things that have disappointed a lot of people throughout the COVID landscape, but throughout all of this, I think we've all been so delighted to see young players like yourself really setting the stage alight. And um, we look forward to seeing you do more of it, mate. So go out there, kill it, and we'll be your number one fans. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me as well. Thanks so much to join us here on the World Game Live. Great to see him. And as I said there, Stolich, these young players, man, they are doing so well. And they, yeah. for me, have been the real draw card of this season so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting, these new players coming in. It, it's it's like a new characters coming into a show that you've been watching. When you get all these yeah. new characters, you know, like Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, okay, what's this person going to do? And they're really, not only are they coming in, but they're performing. They're, you know, they're top of the, the goal scorers list. They're creating chances. And, you know, even once, uh, I think, uh, Holman last night for MacArthur, I've never heard of him came on did a little dance in the box set up the goal it's fantastic and it's happening in the a-league and it's happening in the w league uh, as well i think we're going to get onto that now and we are going to get onto that now speaking of great characters we love this girl has just been such an absolute darling of australian football for so long whether she's wearing a matilda's jersey whether she's in orange for brisbane raw we've absolutely delighted and reveled in watching her career unfold she's one of the tidiest players going when oh, it comes to women's football. oh by far and we absolutely love what she can do with the football but now she's doing so much off the field too and we're so delighted to welcome katrina gory it is so good to see you i have to say you know from one mother to another Another soon-to-be mother, congratulations on such exciting news. I was so delighted to see it because it's such a special time in your life. Um, there's nothing you'll do better in this life. Uh, tell us that moment that you realised when you looked down and you saw the two lines. I mean, I know you said it was just so emotional. You've done so many things in football. But how does this moment to compare, how does it compare to anything in your life? Yeah, as you, it, do, it doesn't really compare. Um I still can't really wrap my head around seeing those that positive line. Um, I had a neg- uh, two negatives before that, so I was a little bit worried. But, um, yeah, I knew that IVF wasn't 100% and that there, all, there was always a chance that I wouldn't fall pregnant. So to see those lines, it, it was really something incredible and I think it's only just kind of starting to sink in now. Oh, congratulations. We're all so excited for you. It's such a special time for you. But I want to ask you as well, because this is a, it's more down that serious line of obviously female athletes having to consider this, if they're going to go down the path of motherhood, if it's going to be their partners or whoever else that that takes that responsibility on. It's a big decision to make because you're obviously taken out of the game and your body's going to have to recover. So how much thought went into this? I know you said you'd always wanted to be a mother, but how many things did you have to factor into this equation before you were set on the decision yeah there, there were a lot of factors in it um obviously we we do base it on a four-year cycle our whole life is a little bit like that especially with huge tournaments coming up um and, and 2021 was always kind of the time that i had set for myself um for a number of years so yeah covid kind of hit and threw a spanner in the works um so yeah i just decided to kind of take it into my own hands and with so much uncertainty around the world I just decided I was going to start the process and see what happens and yeah I was lucky enough to fall pregnant the first go and unfortunately won't be at the Olympics but we'll get to support the girls from a distance and have a little bub in my hands doing it. Oh, and it means we could also still see you in 2023 for the World Cup which is really exciting too. Stolich over to you some questions for Minnie. 
Yeah, uh, Katrina, I just kind of want to to ask some questions about like how uh, it works for a professional player in terms of when you can kind of, at what point can you keep playing pregnant? Uh, When do you have to stop training and when can you return as well? And and have you spoken to other, you know, Matildas or I think Melissa Barbieri, for example, was one who was pregnant while she was contracted, how that all works? And I'm assuming it's probably different for different people, but what is kind of the understanding for those of us that don't know? Yeah, it was kind of new for all of us, especially at the Raw. We were kind of trying to figure it out as as we went along, but the staff there were absolutely amazing with assisting me and, and making sure I wasn't overheating or doing anything too much. So I was really lucky to be under their watch when I was. And, um, yeah, I decided kind of around 11 weeks that I would stop playing. Uh, the baby kind of moves up out of the pelvis area so isn't as safe. So... For me, that was kind of um, the time that I stopped playing and, and I'm still around all the girls, which is really nice for me. gives me that purpose around football and, um, yeah, just just really enjoying the season with them. Um, as for coming back, yeah, it is very different for, for different people and how they kind of experience their pregnancy and how the birth is as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not getting too caught up on all that stuff. I'm just going to, um, yeah, have no expectation on what, what's to come. And, yeah, just enjoy every moment. And when I get back on the the soccer pitch, just enjoy that as well. Oh, absolutely. And like I keep saying, it's going to be such an exciting time in your life. I mean, that whole pregnancy experience, sharing that with your family and friends and then also getting to meet your baby for the first time. There's so much on the horizon for you. But give us your your football view on how things are playing out in the W League at the moment. I mean, we'd love to keep you on here so you can talk to us about your overall feelings around what you've seen so far, who's impressed you. Obviously, Sydney FC are absolutely killing it. And we want to know, is there going to be anyone that can bloody stop them? That's the question that we're posing in our W League wrap. Hopefully us on Sunday night. Um, (laughs) Really looking forward to the the next two two games Brizzy plays. I think they'll be two important games for us um, to kind of see where we go up up on the ladder. And uh, I think we're we're starting to hit our peak at the moment, which is really exciting for us. Um, I think there's been quite a few teams that have really impressed me. Um, Adelaide have been playing pretty good football and so have Canberra. So... Yeah, it's really up and down. It's an interesting season to watch and a lot of young players um, that have been doing really, really well. Uh, we got a couple of, in our team, but across the board, I think, uh, the, yeah, the, the younger generation is really coming through and it's an exciting time that they kind of get this opportunity to play and be amongst such experienced players. And that's essentially, I think, the biggest talking point around this W League season is that we've had a lot of our Matildas that have departed, that have gone overseas. We've had some like yourself come back and be in and around the W League. But on the whole, we are looking at this next generation of young Matildas coming through, which has been really exciting because it's, you know, it's the breeding ground for where we've seen players like yourself, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, and all these youngsters come through post, you know, that previous golden generation type of era. But, um, you know, just to give a bit of a rap stolich, we've seen Sydney end Canberra's unbeaten run victory climbed back into the top four and western sydney wanderers managed to draw with adelaide um i want to pose you that question as well and of course get you to ask many any other thoughts that you have around the w league um you know can anyone stop the sky blues because they've just been too damn good well you know i was thinking actually like you're saying brisbane raw they, they were looking pretty good but actually when i heard that you had, were going to be out for you know just said you were unavailable in the ins and outs i was thinking oh geez that's gonna that's gonna really uh, make brisbane raw struggle now we know it's gonna be quite a while that you're gonna be out so anyway yeah. no we we hope uh we hope you know for brisbane raw that they can uh, turn around but full credit to sydney fc i mean you know the work that uh Ante Juric has done there is, is fantastic and they looked really good I, I watched the game against um, melbourne city on thursday 
Saturday night. And that was an interesting contrast between the two because Melbourne City have been successful for so many years. I know a lot of had a lot of turnover and we've talked about that in previous weeks. And Sydney FC have, you know, kept that continuity and that's why they're being successful. But I was really impressed with Sydney FC and, you know, they're really starting to set the pace. So I, I think they've been great to watch. Michelle Heyman at Canberra United, you know, oh. scoring again. So that's always exciting uh, that that's happening as well. So and and by the way, great to see her. You know, that, talk about a player coming back, retirement. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's been so exciting. We talk about all these young players coming through, but mm. I think we we always love in, in in sport. You know that they've still got it. You know, we always love to know that someone's still got it, whether it be, you know, I don't know, Cristiano Ronaldo at 35, Zlatan at 39, um, you know, uh, Mata for Brazil, uh, Kazu, King Kazu in Japan, 54 and still playing. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, been, it's been a really, really fun uh, W League season. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, the rest of it. Yeah, Michelle coming back has probably been the highlight of my W League, to be honest. Yeah. Um, she was my roomie for, for so long and... Um, I I was really sad when she did retire. I knew she had more to give, and to see her so happy on the field now, it, it really makes me really proud of her. And hopefully, she can get herself in, back in the green and gold because it'll be awesome to see that. What are your feelings like, Minnie, around the Olympics? Before we say goodbye to you, I'm conscious of the time. We could keep chatting for all day, but you know, there's been so much conjecture around. Are the Olympics going to go ahead? Aren't they? I mean, let's say you were still a part of the setup, and when you speak to your teammates, I mean, you've got to prepare for it like it's happening. But can you see it coming around? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're still preparing for it like it's happening. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get, you know, to any camps together, have any games for almost a year, I think, um, which is it's a really hard preparation. Uh, it, it's hard to see it going to go ahead with, with so many countries still really um, battling COVID at the moment. We're pretty lucky to be living in Australia at the moment and, yeah, I mean, it'd be sad to see it not go ahead, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty scary to think if it does. Mm, well said. Uh, one more comment before we say goodbye. Nadia Dietanay, she said it so well. You go, you girls make Australia proud. She's so damn right. There is no team in this country, and, I mean, no disrespect to any of the other sporting franchises, including our own Socceroos, that do us more proud than what the Matildas do. You've been such a shining star for this team for so many years, um, you know, whether that's on or off the field. We've been so delighted to have you on the show today, to be able to revel in this exciting news for you that you're welcoming a baby this year. It's all so wonderful, and we hope that you give it one more good crack and go for 2023 is that the plan Minnie? that is the plan that is the plan obviously anything can happen with motherhood but yeah i think uh fa have really supported me in the next um couple of years so i think um i have all the support around me to get back so hopefully i'll get to put that jersey back on and, and get another game in with the matildas Oh, and walk out with your little boy or girl. That would just be amazing to see. Minnie, thank you so much for making the time to join us here on TWG Live. We wish you all the very best. And stay in touch, hey. We'll catch up with you again soon. Definitely will. Thanks for having me. Good on you. See you, Minnie. Top stuff. Such a top footballer as well. Nobody can do oh. things with ball like she can, man. I mean, she's in, a specialist. In my opinion, the technically the best Matilda that we've had. I know, like when I'm speaking in terms of technical quality, you know, Sam Coe's got the speed and the finishing there, but in terms of a technical footballer in midfield, unbelievable to watch. Unbelievable to watch. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, and so happy for her. You know, like I said mm. to her at the 
out there, having experienced motherhood myself, um, it's so, it's just such a wonderful and exciting yeah. time in your life. I think she's going to be a great mum. And you know what? What a great example she's also setting to other young girls out there because for so many women, Stolich, and I know this is a difficult conversation to have with men because you, you wouldn't understand it, but yeah, for totally. women that go through this, um, you know, particularly professional athletes, they have to make this decision because it's a big sacrifice. You know, their, their careers are their livelihood and that's where they've invested all of their time, their energy, their passion and their commitment for so long. So to take yourself out of the game, to have to take that step away, I think is a really big decision. But she's always wanted to be a mum and I don't think anyone should be denied of that right and I can't wait to see her come back from this and then to go again uh, at the World Cup of 2023 to just be a remarkable thing for her to experience as a new mum too. So we wish you Amazing. all the very best. All very good. And you know what, can I just say, good to hear that Brisbane Raw and Football Australia are supporting her as well, you know, because that can sometimes not always be the case. So it's it's good to see that they're, they're really, because that's really important to send also a message to other players that, you know, it's yeah. not going to kill your career or or that the, the, the clubs and the association is open to it and, and wants to help. I agree. And so they damn well should be, you know, and it's been yeah. a conversation in the past many years ago. We know that Heather Garriock went through her own battles as a new mum wanting to travel with her baby to tournaments. And um, at the time, Football Federation Australia made it really difficult for her. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that from that perspective, they've made progress in that space mm. because our players should be supported when they have to make these decisions. And to know that that Mini is being supported in that space, I think is really a positive step and um, and one that we can all be delighted by. Uh, yeah. I want to on before we quickly look to wrap up the show to cover off a bit of action in the Premier League. This one's going to taste like absolute poison coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and the first one being the city absolutely belted the bejesus out of my beloved Liverpool. Matty Ryan, he made his debut for Arsenal. It wasn't... Bravo. The, oh no, it wasn't with the greatest of outcomes, but you know what? For him to make his debut and look beyond that, beyond conceding that deflection in the opening two minutes, I think there wasn't much he could do about that goal. He wasn't troubled too much throughout the rest of the game, but I will say, what a remarkable moment for this goalkeeper of ours. Um, you know, this is his childhood club. He was so excited to be able to to feature for them. So we're just you know all kind of buzzing in that glow of his debut for Arsenal. Man United have reached the FA Cup quarters. Harry Kane, big big return for. Spurs mm. from injury has been so vital for them and Sheffield have succumbed to their 18th loss of the season. I'm asking who's going to make the top four, but Stolich, I also need to know, this bottom three that we're looking at that are currently sitting in the relegation zone, are they all but out? They have to be, right? Well, the one thing is I kind of feel, I know this is going to sound nuts, I kind of feel sorry for Sheffield United. I think they've been kind of unlucky in a lot of uh, games. and But, yeah, you, you look at the points difference. I mean, it's, what, eight points. times they've been unlucky? <laughs> Maybe not 18. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. What do they need to I, have? West Brom are a much worse team, and they're above them. Like West Brom, oh, you look at the stats oh, now, 54 oh. goals West Brom have conceded, right? Sheffield oh, United have only conceded 37. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, nah, but these bottom three, they're probably going down. Um, although if I had to put my money on the club that will get out, if one gets out, I tell you it's gonna be Sheffield United. So anyway, that's my big crazy prediction uh of the week. Um yeah, a bit nuts. What? I'm just yeah. saying if one, if one gets out, it'll be Sheffield United. They did last. I don't think, I think they're gonna get out. I mean, I'm looking at the table now. Do you know who really pisses me off? Actually, Fulham. <laughs> What a disgrace this football club are. Seriously, you get promoted, you get kicked out. You get promoted again, now you're going to get kicked out again. Get your shit together. Come on. You know that when you get promoted to the Premier League, you've got to spend a bit of moolah. You've got to actually recruit well to survive. Brighton actually are one of the perfect examples of a club that have been promoted that I know continue to scrape by the skin of their teeth every season, but they still fight, they still scrap. They know that they have to do more to stay in the Prem, and that is just a fact. But yeah, but. 
drive me absolutely crazy. It was like the last time Fulham came up, they spent a crap load of money and it was all on terrible players that they couldn't integrate. So I don't know. I just think if you want to come up, you got to get a Bielsa and you got to do what Leeds are doing because I love watching Leeds at the moment. But oh, yeah. um, on Matt Ryan, uh, first of all, I thought I thought he was their best player. Arsenal played very yeah. poorly, but I thought he was their best player and it was cool. Actually, I watched a video that Arsenal themselves put up um, kind of focusing on Matt Ryan. They kind of like had a mic pointing at him, but it just mm-hmm. showed that he was communicating really well with his teammates. He was speaking in Spanish to some of the, to the Spanish-speaking players, so Gabriano oh, yeah. speaks Portuguese, but yeah. just showing that he's using that experience that he got at Valencia really well. That He's a really good leader, Matt Ryan. I really think he's a really good ambassador for, for our sport. Um, which is not always the case uh, when you kind of your top level players. But Matt Ryan is a fantastic ambassador. It seems like he's getting on well with the players. I thought he acquitted himself well. I don't know if he'll hold on to that number one spot. I assume Leno, when he comes back, will come back as number one. But Matt Ryan showed that he is a very good number two and can be called upon. And if Leno loses a bit of form or gets injuries, Ryan's going to be straight up there. So I I was very proud to watch him as an Australian. And, uh, yeah, he impressed me a lot. Justin Parker, um, I see that you've changed your profile picture, Justin Parker. Mm. We're very observant here at the World Game Live. I actually liked your other one because it showed your flowing locks in all of their glory. But I liked his comment today. Good afternoon to you, Justin. Whichever your profile picture you're putting up, we're still fans of yours and great to see that you're still fans of ours. Ryan surely solidified as number two keeper behind Lynn or after that display of Ryan's runners and surely is on the out. Would love to see him really cement that spot as a number two. I think I couldn't agree more with what you said earlier, Stolich. Really well said mm. about him being a great ambassador for this sport. A League memes who love to troll me, and guess what, you pricks, I love to troll you right back. <laughs> they, so they revel in saying good morning to me every time Liverpool lose, and I just started writing back and saying shut up. And guess what, it's time for some new jokes, peasants. All right, so it's time to come out with the goods. You didn't really want to wish me a good morning. Who the hell are you kidding? By the way, Stolich, anything to add to this? Uh, I just say, what a performance from City. I mean, you know, I, I'm not a City fan, but I'm absolutely a Pep Guardiola fan. And this guy is a machine when it comes to winning league titles. This guy, you know, I, and, and this is the other thing is like, it's interesting because this was probably, I know, and people are going to say he spent a lot of money on defenders. and save his life with the club though, can he? Another <laughs> prediction. Another big prediction. This is the year. This is the year. Man, that, because it's always the always the problem with City has been their defense, right? Their defense has always been a little bit of an issue. Ruben Diaz, what a signing he has, and and John Stones. John Stones is an interesting example of you know. Hot and cold, isn't he? Hot and cold for me. But it's like the season before this season, we all just said, no, nah, he's not at that level. No, nah, he's not up to it. And it just shows you, I don't know what's changed, whether it be Diaz being his partner or, or Guardiola using him in a different way or, or just things that are going on in his own personal life. Because I think he was going through a divorce or something a few years ago. But he he and Ruben Diaz look like an unbelievable defensive partnership. You're talking levels of like, you know, Vidic and um, uh, Ferdinand, that kind of level. They're just so solid at the back. And Cancelo, Cancelo is unbelievable at right back. So City, to me, look amazing. And I think they're going to win the Champions League. Ooh, well, Hassan Bertan, who we know is a massive City fan, whether that be Melbourne City yeah. or Manchester City, um, great to have your company with us, Hassan. Thanks for tuning in every week, mate. We really enjoy having you here with us. He said City will win the league now. I think it's pretty much all but confirmed, isn't it, Stolich? I can't see anyone really yeah. making a challenge at this point unless City have a massive cock-up. It's a hard question to ask, but who will make the top four? That's the one that we're posing well- here but does that look pretty rock solid to you or can you see some movement in that space? So City will be there, Liverpool will be there, Chelsea will be there and I think Manchester United will be there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, just on City as well, I mean, they haven't had a proper striker. Aguero's been out basically the whole yeah. season. They've had some uh, injuries. Yeah. Imagine if they had their full-strength squad, they would have been miles ahead by now. Yeah, and that's the thing is you look at it, you look how they played against Liverpool with Phil Foden playing the false nine and what a job he did. And you think, you know, that's another thing that, like, I think, you know, Pep should get credit for. And we know Phil Foden is a talent, but he's really brought him through well. He didn't just play him all the time. He gave him good minutes, brought him in for certain games, took him out. Top player. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm not a fan usually of that much of the English players. They're they're not kind of my type player, but he is an absolute – he's one of the best English talents I've seen in the last – so exciting, so exciting, technically yeah. very good, always got an Smart. eye for goals, getting into space. Yeah. His awareness is incredible. Um, I love watching him on the ball. I, yeah. think he's it, exciting. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the Premier League for the next 10 years. Easy. Ooh, ooh. All right, let's move on before we look to wrap up quite swiftly. Yeah. Aussies abroad. Our Aussies are doing quite good. Mobile, Boyle, Ford, all on target. And Daniel Arzani debuts for AGF Ahus. But um, it, it was in the 90th minute, although what we said earlier off camera, Solich, was that it's good to see him getting any kind of minutes because at this point it's about building him up so that we can build up his match fitness and see more of him. Yeah, and getting a bit of confidence and just letting him know that he's a part of this team, you know, because obviously that wasn't the case uh, at Utrecht. So, yeah, we want to see more from Arzani. But this was a great moment for AY Mobile. I'll roll the clip now. Boom, but 90th, 90th minute there, uh, great to see. And he keeps performing. You know, he's, he's playing in the Champions League. Uh, he's, he's one of our best-performing uh, soccerers in Europe at the moment and a fantastic ambassador again for our sport and for the A-League. Mm. Martin Boyle also doing very well too. Yeah. Um, another player that's come back into, and, I mean, we've been talking about him consistently because how could you not? And he's not mentioned in our Aussies abroad here today, but um, I know that he's going to be someone that's at the top of Graham Arnold's list when we go ahead to, to looking at those March qualifiers, if we can bloody well get there, fingers crossed, everybody, because we need to get these qualifiers in to meet um, the Asian Football Confederation's demands by the end of July, I think it is. Uh, but uh, Nikita Rukovica making a real claim to end up back in the Socceroos Stolich. That's something that you cannot deny at this point. But what do we attribute this resurgence to? That's what I want to know. Where the bloody hell has he been up until now? Um, I think he was playing as a winger a lot, and that was clearly the incorrect position for him. He was playing on the left, he was playing on the right, and what he, it's amazing that he's kind of found this best position at the age of 32 or something. I know he's 33, 34 now, but when he first got there, they played him as strike straight away. So, you know, I think that's the, the really interesting thing. You know, we've, I've tried to, we've tried to do interviews with him. Uh, he's not really speaking to the media much. He's staying very focused and it's clearly working for him. He, he's doing a fantastic job. So him playing as a center forward, you know, you look at it and it's interesting balance between, and Graham Arnold has to weigh this up. You know, you look at the form of a player, you look at where they're playing. So, you know, there's there's talk of, you know, Alu Kuo should be in the Socceroos and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's a little early for that. You've got to look at where they're playing, their own experience, you know, their, their experience playing at an international level because it is a big step up. But Rukovica definitely deserves to be back, and I would love to see him just banging the goals in for the Socceroos, which is, uh, I believe, our next game is against Nepal in March, presumably. 
presumably if we can get it over the line. Timothy Dark is Jake Brimmer to be considered as well. Of course, we've seen him feature at under-17s World Cups. He's, and he's tried to kind of, you know, make it over in Europe and we've seen him bounce back to the A-League, but he's actually been doing really good things at the moment in the A-League. Is he another one that could be in contention? Yeah, possibly. It might be one squad too soon. Uh, like a lot of the young guys um, in the A-League have impressed. But if you're talking midfielders, I mean, I, I kind of think – no, why doesn't Steve Ugarkovic get a get a run in centre midfield? I think he's one of the best midfielders in the league by far. Uh, he, he's a fantastic player. I don't think he's ever been a socceroo, but I would love to see him uh, there if we're talking about A-League players. But you've got to remember, you know, in that kind of central midfield position, you've got the likes of Jackson Irvine. You've still got Aaron Moy. You've got James Holland, who's doing very well uh, mm-hmm. in Austria and in the Europa League and stuff like that. So we are not stacked at that position, but there's a lot of experienced players that, you know, need to be considered as well. And it's hard for a player like Jake Brewer, who is doing very well, to just get into that, uh, you know, squad. An option for Arnie, though, is always to consider potentially just bringing into the camp to be in and around that environment. Absolutely. To that sort of level and experience. Justin Parker, speaking of young players, and this one will delight you particularly, Stolich, calling it early, Riku Danzaki, surely Mm. one of the best young players so far this year, wild card for Johnny Warren if he keeps up this form, or is that just crazy talk? I don't think it's crazy talk. I think he's got serious competition for Johnny Warren, um, the Johnny Warren medal, but um, he's someone that you have really delighted in so far this season. Um, A lot of talk about him already in the early stages, and I think he's really proving why. Yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic talent. He, he's great at linking up with uh, McDonald and Dylan Wenzel Halls. He's he's you know scoring goals as well, which is fantastic to see. And you got to remember that was that there's the language barrier. I mean, I, as far as I understand, he doesn't speak any English. Um, you know, there's the cultural barrier as well. And for him to settle this quickly for a 20 year old, he's not an experienced, you know, played 10 season in the J League type of player. He's a very young, raw player. Yeah. But he's yeah. been fantastic. And full credit to Warren Moon for, for trusting him and, and getting the most out of him. I know they didn't play very well last night, but, you know, it's uh, it's been really good to watch Denzaki. And I think Johnny Warren Medal is wide open, so he could get it. Yeah, um, we had another shout coming in from Michael Long saying that no, Victor Sanchez is actually going to be a good shout for the Johnny Warren medal. I've been impressed with him, but I just think at the moment West United's form has not been good enough to get considered in that. I feel like you need to be in one of the top kind of four teams, really, unless you're having an absolutely outstanding season. Okay, and as we look ahead to some of the fixtures coming up before we wrap up with bad news, good news, Western Sydney Wanderers are taking on Melbourne Victory tonight at Banquist Stadium, 7.05pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time kickoff. Then you've got MacArthur facing off against Adelaide on Friday. On Saturday, Western United go head-to-head with Sydney FC. The Wanderers again at home to Melbourne City. Melbourne City have been in some shocking form at the moment too. It'll be interesting to see how much time they're willing to give. Actually, both those Melbourne clubs, City and Melbourne Victory, have been in really mm-hmm. ordinary form. Um you know, it'd be interesting to see how much time they give the likes of Patrick Isnorbe, but particularly over at Melbourne Victory, Grant Brebner, top guy, legend at the football club. But this is a team and a club overall that have very high standards and demand success. So he's already come out, Brebner, and said things to the tune of basically that the players are on notice and we won't accept these types of standards. But I just wonder how long the club will accept this kind of coaching standard as well. Well, I, and also this is one for victory fans. How long are you going to accept this board constantly uh, appointing coaches and signing players that aren't working? I mean, this is like three years in a row. This is ever since Muskie left. And there were also issues when Muskie was even there that Melbourne Victory, who have the most members uh, in the country, who, you know, we say is the biggest club in the country, and I believe that, they've really been off the pace. And, and it's a worry. And that 
little run in the Champions League where they made a round of 16, papered over the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that there are big problems. There's bigger than Brebner. I mean, remember Brebner came out and said, I don't want the job. And then a few weeks later said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the job. That to I me mean, was... John Aloisi was very close to securing that job as well. So, And from yeah. my perspective, I think knowing what he did at Brisbane Raw, um, discounting what happened at heart, I think that he would have been a far better candidate in this situation. Like we said, Brebs is a great guy, but um, mm. is he the right man for this job to get victory back to where they need to be? I don't know. Well, where, where is victory going? That'd, that'd be the big question for me. Like as a club, as a board, they need to have a more refined position on who they are. We're seeing a lot of clubs develop uh, identities in terms of Adelaide United, all South Australian players, coaches, you know, right up into the top. I think that's a good thing to do. Um, Newcastle appointing Craig Deans, you know, someone who's been at the club since 2003 and, and done every single job there. I think that's a good thing as well. You know, Wanderers are developing their identity. It, Victory needs to be clear on, on what they are, not just a big club, but what do they what do they want? What do they want to achieve and what are the standards that they hold themselves to? Because it's been weird directions in the last two years. Very weird. Um rounding out the A-League fixtures on Sunday, the 14th of February, you've got Wellington Phoenix at Wollongong Showground taking on Central Coast Mariners and then Brisbane Raw over at Dolphin Stadium going head-to-head with Newcastle Jets uh, before we then get into next week's game. So plenty of football coming along this weekend. will be very exciting to see. Bad news, good news. Let's finish off the show and share your versions with us. I'm already seeing some come through at the moment. It's great to see. Very excited, of course. Um, but I want to know what yours are stolich your bad well my bad news for the week and maybe it's bad news uh for you as well but it was uh this uh interview from klopp city have got a game in hand it's obviously 10 points gap now can you see any scenario of catching up with them or is it just for liverpool now fighting for i really think you should be to prepare your job a little bit better to be honest just how can you ask up they are 13 points away in my understanding and this question about becoming champion how can you do you really think that's an appropriate question in the moment you have only two questions and you and you waste one for that no your my, fault you the second one was about you had possibly fighting questions. for the top Sorry. four you had only two questions so is it mainly about only the top two four? questions you had only two questions you know the second one was you wasted it no i think they are they are they, are, they run away yeah. my second part of the question was about if you think now it's mainly about focusing on the top four for Liverpool after tonight's performance that was the second yeah part that's of the obvious we try to do that okay thank you Andrew. Yeah, I just didn't write that. You're barking up the wrong tree with me. I'm always going to defend the man. He's frustrated as hell. And I'm not defending him. I I agree. But he's wrong. He's wrong. They are 10 points. The difference is 10 points. The the journalist was right. The journalist was right. Yeah, but now we're getting into semantics here. And I think that, you know what, there comes a point, and allow me to defend him, right, because I am is all hell and and I understand it didn't look good it didn't look good the way he kind of went in for the journalist but he's frustrated because every day the English media or whichever media are going for them right particularly when you're in that top four position a club like Liverpool who have a target on their back at the moment okay it hasn't been the season for us I as a Liverpool fan have all but accepted that the Premier League title is out of reach that we're not going to go back to back and now I'm sweating on the top four I hope my heart says I'm hoping that we'll be in the top four but my head's trying to really interfere with that but at this point 
every time the guy's getting asked a question, it is about the champions. It is about Manchester City running away with the title. You know, we're still kind of not even at that, are we even midway through the season yet? So he's constantly having to face these questions and I think he's just exhausted by it. And, you know, he is right. You get two questions and if that's going to be the one that you're choosing to waste this on, well, then that's entirely on your head. Um, He's frustrated too because if you've really paid attention to him and allow me to go on this rant, he's frustrated because (laughs) if you've paid attention to his press conferences recently, he was put into a position where he wanted to recruit players. So when we lost the big verge, I think everyone was concerned. And at that point, it was the time to go out to market and really start to think about a succession plan. We've really struggled defensively. We've struggled with those options. We've seen players like Fabinho having to drop back into that central defensive position. And I think it's really cost us our ability to be able to focus on things. And, And I also think that maybe Klopp is to be held responsible in some scenarios because he hasn't rotated the squad as well. Um, and, and that's really kind of put us in a position where we've realised perhaps we don't have the depth of a club that wants to be champions. And um, it's been upsetting. It's been a difficult pill to swallow. But the guy's frustrated because recruitment, I think, is effectively out of his hands if you pay attention to his press conferences where he said, I've tried to, but it's kind of, you know, it's up to the, the powers that be. So he hasn't been given that chance um, in the transfer market to bring in the players that he's really wanted to. So that's me defending Klopp for today. But I, I would just say to that was that the journalist oh, was in fact correct. That oh, who was... cares? Yeah, but it's, it's important if you're gonna if you're gonna say you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're wrong. You want me to get Google out and show you the table? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is last year and the year before, the media was praising Klopp like crazy, including myself. Loved Klopp and Klopp was oh, what a, what a, what a what a fantastic human, what a fantastic coach. Now there's a bit of pressure. Now it's not as easy as it was last season, and we are starting to see. You know, we start to see possibly the real the real person come out. So I would Everybody say everybody cracks under pressure. Sure, right? sure, totally normal. We've seen Pep Guardiola actually have a go at journalists. We've seen Jos Mourinho have a go at journalists. We've seen Antonio. And we've Conte seen they always get criticised. They always get criticised. They get Everyone, criticized if they do well. They get criticized if they do poorly. Stolid. I did. I didn't write it. I didn't write it from Klopp. I know. And I know it didn't look great, but I just think that there's more to this story. Contextually speaking, the guy is under a lot of pressure, and if he every day in every press conference is listening to the champions, the champions, the champions, my God, it would be exhausting. It would actually be exhausting. So he lost his cool. It's a bit unprofessional, but there's more to it. Anyways, what else you got? Right. Give me some freaking good news. <laughs> All right. My good my good news uh, for this week is uh, the Mexican fans that turned up at the Sydney-Wellington game to support uh, Ulysses de Villa. So we'll just play the clip from the that they put up on Twitter. So oh. they're basically singing a Mexican version of Waltzing yeah. Matilda, and 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 but they created a really great atmosphere. Sixty Mexican fans, for anyone who missed it, um, turned up to support Ulysses Davila, who plays for Wellington at the Sydney Wellington game on Monday night. Made a great atmosphere, and and one of the uh, supporters put a thread on Twitter, um, which I retweeted out. And you know, it was really nice to to see them come out. I think they they brought color, they brought atmosphere to the game. It was great. There was there was some little things that uh, frustrated me a little bit about how. 
how security surrounded them straight away. Like, come on, this is not the, why are you guys getting so obsessed with, uh, you know, some fans who just want to enjoy the game. Um, but you know, eventually the security let him go and it was all good. And they, they seemed to have a really good time, but you know, the, the guy was saying that here in Australia, we watch games very quietly and the 60 of them were making more noise than the whole stadium. I would like that to change. You know, if you do go to an A-League game or a W-League game or an MPL game, be loud. Please make yourself heard. Sing sing with the active support. I, I love, even if you're not in active support, when, you know, you see it with the RBB and they, they kind of point to one side, who do we sing for? Then they point to the other side. I've seen CNFC do it. I've seen Victory do it. You know, get involved. Make yourself heard. Make make football the best atmosphere it can be because it's fun. Uh, and, and, and That's what we bloody love about football and why yeah. it's just- apart from every other sporting code in the country and around the world. Michael Long, actually good news is A-League is on almost every night. Couldn't agree more. Good good afternoon to you, Tonka. It's the first time we're saying hello, but glad to have your company, mate. Thanks for tuning in as we look to rack up the show. Good news, Mobile grabbing the winner off the bench. Couldn't agree more. A-League memes, bad news. Kenny Lowe didn't get the Jets job. (laughs) i got so much time for Kenny Lowe. He's so much fun, honestly. Matthew M. Papas, uh, good news. Costa Barbarous has scored two goals for Sydney FC. Finally, bad news, knee injury to Chris Silverzella. Ouch. Uh, what else have we got, guys? Come on. Come on. Any more well, good news, bad news before I get into mine? Can I give a shout-out uh, to Amanda? I think she was commenting before Dude, from Jaguars Football news. Culture. Yeah, she sent through this uh, shirt, and uh, there's one as well for Lucy um, at the office, uh, but it's, it's still in the office. But, it's uh, Lucy, I'm sure never in the office. <laughs> that's, that's one of the issues, but, we, but we'll get it to you. And, and by the way, when I brought these home, I brought two shirts home. My girlfriend was like, oh, I'll take one of these. These are great. So uh, shout really? out to Amanda. She got in touch with me on Instagram. She said, uh, in a nutshell, I love football so much. I decided to open up a specialty store three years ago and still have no idea how I managed to get Nike and Adidas accounts. But by some miracle, I did. Our focus is community football. Our passion is women's football and building a healthy culture for girls on the coast. This is the Central Coast, uh, New South Wales. I recently joined my first committee as women's coordinator so this is my very first year of doing that i also researched lots about boots v injuries interesting stuff i love the game i'm a long-time student of the game i love how much our beautiful game teaches people in so many different ways it is the language i speak and i'm such a fan of this show uh, i play it in my shop so go check out her shop in the central coast um and yeah fantastic and we really love when people get in touch with the show and we, we love hearing from you guys because you guys are the reason that we do this show Oh, thanks so much, guys. Say so Juggles Football Culture. We're always big fans of any work that anyone's doing out in the football community. We'd love to be your supporter. So if you are doing anything cool, let us know. We can give you guys a plug if you're organising anything special down at your grassroots football club so we can give it some promotion. Reach out to us and let us know because we love supporting the Australian football community. Santino Mamone, shout out to Lucy and Stoll for sometimes brightening up some days. Mate, we hope you're doing okay down there in Melbourne. We know you've been doing it tough yeah. for the last 12 months or so and it's been a very difficult period for you, Santino, mate. So we really appreciate your loyalty here and tuning in every week and we hope you're taking care of yourself. Um, I want to wrap up then with my bad news, good news. My bad news for the week is that Robin Fowler is actually mildly delusional. I'm mildly concerned for his well-being because he came out and spoke to the World Game and said this. He wants to take full credit for Brisbane Raw's revival. The man is cackadoodle. Are you okay, Robbie? 
are you all right over there? He said, if you look at the team now, and I think the foundations are there, albeit with some new players, the foundations I was given were totally different to the foundations there now. People can say what they want about me in Australia, but I put that club back to a position where everyone <laughs> believes and I'm delighted to see them where they are now and they are a team that will live fondly in my mind for the experience and time I got. He goes on and on and on. Go to the World Game website to just read what actually delusional looks like in black and white. The man is crazy, and I'm trying to be as respectful as I can in this respect. <laughs> and I have so much love for him as a player for my beloved Liverpool, and I respected him in his time as a giant and a legend of that club, but I have zero respect for what he's got to say in this instance. It is an absolute slap in the face to people like John Aloisi who actually grafted for that football club. He is the one that instilled that training ground there. He is the one that gave players like Dylan Wenzel Halls an opportunity from the NPL when the guy was relegated to the state league doldrums and having to score just to get any attention. And mind you, when Robbie Fowler came into the frame, he actually shoved Dylan Wenzel Halls out into the shadows and brought over a bunch of nobodies from league bum F Idaho, right? So really, <laughs> you want to claim this success from Brisbane Raw? Why don't you go and knock on Warren Moon's door, who's actually recruited good quality players and given players like Dylan Wenzel Halls an opportunity to come and set the stage on fire. Stay where you are. Don't bother coming back to the A-League. And if you want to talk more garbage than that i'll give you my address and you can come and have a cup of tea and i'll tell you exactly where to go so that's my bad (laughs) has lost the plot right i want to end on this i was just gonna say last night they played a little bit like robbie fowler's team they were they were very (laughs) poor to watch and i was like he can he can claim credit for that performance when they're playing well like they have been that's warren moon but last night was he a can't bit claim credit for that. Warren Moon can claim credit for where they are. John Aloisi can claim credit for where mm-hmm. they are. People like Ange Postacoglu can claim credit mm-hmm. for where they are after what they've done and building that brand and building that club and winning titles with them. Mike Mulvey won titles with that club. Robbie Fowler, you did absolutely nothing for this football club. Dos vidanya, as they say in Russia. My good news is this, however. I like to end on this note. It's fantastic. We always give strikers a lot of love for scoring goals and really impressing us all with their prowess. Uh, But I I really want to give love to this player here in the W League after this. Wyman's done an incredible job there. Chidiak sprinting ahead of play, trying to stay onside. He's done it beautifully. Chidiak, and that is a marvellous save from Jada Wyman, point blank, as that is a big moment early in this game. Jada Wyman, one-on-one, comes up with a top-draw save to deny Alex Chidiak. Wyman's done an incredible job there. Girl yes. is doing an incredible job every time she hits the pitch. She's such an exciting footballer. I remember many years ago, actually, this is probably going back four years ago, and I'm saying that roughly because I could be wrong, it's been that long, but... Craig Foster, our beloved former colleague, when he was uh, the head coach of the under-17s girls over at the Football New South Wales Institute, he had Jada Wyman in his squad. And he, I remember him raving about her to me when I went to training one day. And he actually said, he goes, she's, we're nicknaming her Manuela Neuer because she's that incredible. She's great with her feet. She's an incredible shot stopper. She's an all-round keeper. You know, to take on Chidiak there, who is such an experienced player and such a sharp shooter and make herself that big in front of goal and stop that. Um, I love mm. seeing 
excellent goalkeeping. A-League memes, Jada Wyman hasn't conceded a goal for four games. Sydney FC, the Sky Blues women's team, they are on fire, man. When it comes to the A-League, though, Solich, you'd have to say before we say goodbye, this is any, anybody's game. This is like the year that Leicester won the Premier League title, isn't it? It's so open. Yeah, I, I said it before, which is no team is great and no team is terrible. Now, Melbourne victory might be pushing that no team is terrible uh, theory <laughs> at, at the moment, but... But, you know, I think we saw, like, Brisbane Roar probably looked like one of the most impressive teams, and you saw MacArthur just kind of deal with them quite well last night. And, you know, it's it's an interesting season. It's gonna, we're going to see a lot of interesting results. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a really good season, both in the A-League, W-League. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying talking about it every week, and I'm really enjoying hearing about it uh, from the people, if getting all these comments. So if if you... If you're liking as well, please like hit the like button and all that stuff. It all it always helps us, whether you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube. Uh, that always helps. So likes and comments and shares and all that kind of stuff is, is really good for us. And we love getting the love because we love sharing it with everybody here. A-Lig memes, we're going to finish on this note. One more mm. good news, Brian Grant's charity, no more mullet. Is that good news? Because for as much as we love to hate the mullet, like I think I'm going to be a bit sad to see it go. It's this good news is going to charity. Of course, it's going to charity, but yeah. bad news that we're seeing the mullet go. I feel like it's become iconic, a real mainstay in the A-League. It grow it back in, in just the off-season, you know. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> two months out, the mullet will be back, no problem. Hell, yeah, how long until we start here and bring back the mullet chance? Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. As Stolich said, make sure if you love the show, comment, share it, get your friends to watch it because we enjoy sharing this experience with everybody. This is what this show is all about. We love engaging with you. Thanks for stopping by as always. We go live every Wednesday from 1pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time with a stack of guests. A big thank you to our guests that we had on the show here today. Mitchell Duke, the Duke of Parramatta, of course, hoping to make his uh, return for the Wanderers towards the back end of this month against the Mariners. That's what we're expecting at this point. But great to catch up with him and so much invaluable insight that he gave us. So if you missed that opportunity to catch that interview, head to our On Demand page where you can uh, re-watch the show as well and it's across our social media platforms as well. Big thank you also to Jaden Casella, the very exciting winger who scored his first goal in the A-League after an interesting football journey. It's great to see him getting his opportunities under coach Alan Stachich. Welcome to him and goodbye to everybody, of course. And um, also to Katrina Gorry. Wasn't it wonderful to hear the news this week that she's going to be welcoming a baby this year? So very exciting stuff for Minnie. Great things on the horizon for her and hopefully for our Matildas, guys. That's all we've got time for today. Thanks for tuning in, Eduardo Andres. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure catching up with everybody. But on behalf of myself, Solich, and the entire team at the World Game, it's goodbye for now. And we'll see you again next week. Ciao. 